for the past few months here at Trinity, we've been in a worship series on the Gospel of Matthew. Do you remember we looked at the Beatitudes, we spent six weeks in the Lord's Prayer, and then for the past few weeks we looked at Matthew 25. And today we conclude this worship series by looking at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. So I invite you now to follow along on the screens, or if you'd like to, you can pull out the Pew Bible as well and follow along as I read the very conclusion of the Gospel of Matthew. Listen to God's word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the gift of God's word. Let's pray together. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. When it comes to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, I think it's always interesting to do a cross-analysis of how the other Gospels end as well and to compare them alongside one another just to see if there's anything that stands out, if there's an emphasis that emerges when you look at the conclusion of one gospel versus the others. And as we might reflect and remember at the end of John's gospel, there's these intimate stories of the risen Jesus that comes and meets with some of the disciples and has intimate conversations with them. Think of Peter jumping out of the boat and going to the seashore to talk to Jesus, to have breakfast with Jesus. At the end of Luke's gospel, it's almost like the conclusion of a television series, of a, of a season of TV, in that Jesus says to the disciples, you have been my witnesses, you have seen all these things that have taken place. And you know that Luke has in mind that he's writing a second book, the book of Acts, in which it begins by saying, and now go, be my witnesses in the world, like the second season of a television show. And when we think of Mark's gospel, it's kind of a sad ending, really, if you take the very first ending of Mark's gospel. Later on, years after Mark composed his gospel, scholars think that scribes added on to Mark's gospel because it was such a sad ending, which was that the disciples went into the empty tomb, they saw that Jesus was no longer there, and they fled in fear and amazement, and they said nothing to anyone at all. They said nothing to anyone at all. That's kind of a sad ending. You would make sense why maybe some scribes would add a happier ending to that story later on. Christian communities might add a story later on about that. Here in Matthew's gospel, I think we have great news, friends. Really, really good news at the end of Matthew's gospel, which is this idea, this word that Jesus says to his disciples that I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always. So today in this sermon, I would like for us to ruminate together, to imagine together, 
What does it look like that Jesus is with us always? What does this feel like? What does this sound like in our lives? What does it mean for us that Jesus is with us always? I invite you to imagine with me for a little while as we think about this together. I bet some of you over the past couple of days did some Google searching this week. Maybe on Black Friday you're looking for a present for a friend or for a family member. Maybe you're looking for something for yourself that you've been wanting for 40% off and you did some Google searches on Friday. Maybe you're looking forward to doing Google searches tomorrow on Cyber Monday. The interesting thing about the world in which we live now, when we make these Google searches for whatever it might be, a toy for a little child, a new Bible, a bike, a car, clothes, is that those searches that we make on Google stay with us for a period of time. Haven't you ever noticed if you're looking at a website and you do this search, and then you go to read the news and an advertisement pops up for that same thing that you were searching for, and it keeps popping up and keeps popping up for the next two or three weeks, it can seem obnoxious, especially if you already made that purchase and the item is already there. It's like, I already have this. I don't need to see this advertisement anymore. I wonder sometimes if the way Jesus is with us is with us in the way in which our hearts, our minds, our, our desires, our wishes, those things that we're searching for, if Jesus remains with us kind of like our digital footprint in the world in which we live. Is Jesus with us like that? Maybe, maybe. Did any of you see the new trailer for The Lion King this weekend? Anybody raise of hands? No? Okay. Some of you saw it. There is a new trailer for the new Lion King movie that's coming out next year. And I saw it on TV this weekend in the midst of watching some other things. And it starts out with a pan of that famous scene from the 1994 film where they show the big rock where the Lion King lives. And the words of James Earl Jones who is going to reprise his role as Mufasa, begins to speak, begins to talk, begins to share and talk to this kingdom and all the light that touches, this is our kingdom. I was just remembering, hearing the words of James Earl Jones was like jumping right back into that movie. And you remembered every single moment of it, all the ups, all the downs, all the fun moments, all the really sad moments, those moments in which Mufasa the, the father to Simba, the smaller lion, is trampled and is dying, and Simba comes alongside Mufasa, and you know that moment if you were a little child when you saw this movie, or as a parent or as a grandparent, and you see Simba rub his face, this little lion cub, on the father lion's face. He's not waking up. Wake up. Wake up, Dad. Wake up. But he's not waking up. And you wonder in that moment when he wrestled in next to Mufasa, how will he be with him after this point in time? What is the with him going to look like now that his dad has died? And I remembered watching this trailer, perhaps one of the most poignant moments of that film, which was later on as Simba grew up and he became a wayward teenager. Well, a teenager in the lion world. <laughs> And he was doing what teenagers do and young adults do and going their own way. And one day he looked into a pond, he looked into a lake. And when he looked at his own reflection for a moment, 
Something was revealed to him in that moment of looking into the lake, of looking into the water, and it was Mufasa, his father. His father appeared to him and said, remember who you are. You're the one true king. You are my son. I am with you. Remember who you are. I wonder if the way Jesus is with us Sometimes when we look into water, when we look into reflections of ourselves and we imagine for a moment how God is with us in that moment and God says, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Is that how Jesus is with us always? Maybe. Maybe that's how Jesus is with us. Kids, I know you're hard at work over there working on the packets, but do they still make um, markers that smell? Do they make markers that smell? Yeah. yeah, they make markers that smell. I have this memory when I was a little kid that uh, they made these markers that smelled. Like red was cherry, blue was blueberry, yellow was lemon. Does anybody else remember these, these markers that smell? You have some. They still exist. Okay, they still exist. I've been thinking about those markers because I, for one, was a very bad artist when I was a little kid. I, I did not like drawing. I had struggled to draw inside the lines. Perhaps some of you were like that as well. Yet I loved the markers that smelled. I loved the markers that smelled. That was the only motivating factor I had when it came to art as a five-year-old. And the, the most amazing thing about those markers and the way they smelled was that once you completed the project, and you were done painting or drawing whatever you were drawing with those markers, that aroma stayed with you. It was like you could close your eyes later on, you're totally done with the project, but you know that cherry smell. Maybe you can smell it now. That cherry marker smell. It stays with you, doesn't it? It's with you once... The art is over and the act is completed, but somehow that aroma, it's with you. I wonder if that's how Jesus is with us always. It's like an aroma, a smell. Maybe we smell Jesus. Maybe, just maybe. Over this past weekend, I got a chance to talk to a good friend. He and I went to seminary together. And after seminary, he went on to do some doctoral work at Duke University. And we had a great conversation. It was so good to catch up with him. For those of you who don't know, Duke University is in Durham, North Carolina. And he got to tell me about this story that took place. He was, he was a, he's, he's a theologian, and so he was connected with a lot of churches throughout the Durham area. And he began to tell me the story about the United Methodist Church in Durham and this a fascinating story. I didn't know anything about it until I talked to him. But apparently this church, this United Methodist Church, for the past year had a member of their congregation who was an undocumented immigrant. He had moved from Mexico to North Carolina almost 20 years ago. And for some reason, I, he didn't, my, my friend didn't know why, but he had um, come to the come to the immigration office and they wanted to detain him and deport him back to Mexico. And the church said, we would love to have you live inside of this church. Your wife and your child, they can come live in this church because we love you, we care about you, we can't imagine you being deported and leaving your wife with health issues 
and your child here by themselves. So we would love for you to live in the church because uh, the United States government does not want to go into houses of worship to detain people and to deport them. And so the church said for the last year, live with us, live in our house of worship and be with us. So he did. He lived in their house of worship with them. He read scriptures with them. He helped lead worship with them. And he was a part of the life of that church. He lived in that sanctuary. He lived in that community. And this past week, one of the immigration offices in Durham, North Carolina, asked if he would come so that they could do some biometric scanning of him because they were trying to have him become a citizen. And they were trying to go through all the proper steps of becoming a citizen of this country. And the church was a bit skeptical. They were a bit worried that maybe something would take place in this event in which he would have to go to the immigration office to have his biometric readings happen. So they sent 27 members of the church, and the pastor went too. When they got to the immigration office, unmarked ICE agents detained and arrested him. They brought him out to the van in the car that was going to deport him to a detention center, and the 27 church members and the pastor, they locked arms around the van and they sang Amazing Grace. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how sweet the sound. All 27 members of that church and that pastor were arrested that day. I wonder if they thought, is Jesus with me right now in the way that I want to love this person and this family? Is Jesus with me as I am trying my best to love this person and care for them the way I feel like God has called me to do so? Is this how Jesus is with me? Maybe, just maybe. Friends, what I want to suggest to you today about the conclusion of Matthew's gospel is that there's not one specific way that Jesus is with you. There really isn't one specific way, but there are a variety of ways, many ways, a plethora of ways that Jesus is with you in our life and in our life of faith. And it's manifested through our baptismal identity. See, at the very end when Jesus says, go therefore make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that's just not fancy theological language. But it's the result of a faith journey from Matthew chapter 1 to Matthew 28, that finally by the end in which they see the resurrected Lord, they understand that this one before us is intimately connected to God the Father, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from both of them. And there is an intimacy within God's self, that God has relationship with God's self. God is already with God. And as we are baptized into the font, into the waters of baptism, we are united to God in a similar kind of way. That we are with God when we are baptized. And from that place of being with God, how God shows up in our lives and how Jesus shows up in our lives is going to take a many different forms and shapes, and it's going to be different. It's going to be different the way that God shows up in our lives. Remember when Simba looks into that water and hears the voice of his father calling and saying, remember who you are? So that's what happens to us when we look to the font too. 
Jesus says, remember who you are. I am with you always. I am with you always. And the way he is with us is through this intimate relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God will be with us in many ways, maybe with our hearts, desires. Maybe it's going to be an aroma. Maybe it's going to be the way we try to love people in this world. But Jesus will show up, and God will be with us to the end of the age. Thank goodness for this good news at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Thank goodness for this good news at the end of Matthew's Gospel, and that it's not Mark's Gospel, that we're not just left with an empty tomb running away in fear and amazement. But here we have the resurrected Lord come back to us, and he says, this is the good news I want to leave with you, that no matter what, I am with you always. Jesus will always be with you no matter what. At the end of this worship service, there's a place in your life in which you feel like you need to know and remember that God is with you, that God is with you today. I invite you to come to the font at the end of the worship service and just put your hand into the water and remind yourself, ask God, invite God into your life in that moment. Just say, God, this is where I need you in my life. And ask God to come in in that place, wherever that may be, and invite God into there. And trust that God will be with you always in whatever it is that you need this day. Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray together. God, we thank you truly on this Thanksgiving weekend for you, Lord, for you. For you have gathered together your people. You have loved us with a love so deep and so profound that it's hard for us to even imagine at times. And there are so many ways in which you will show that you are with us, God. So help us lean into our baptismal identity. Help us lean into our relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And help us trust. Build in us a trust that would last for generation upon generation, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hear the call of God.